Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Everybody looks bright and cheery as we head into the last few weeks of the year in the Christmas season. Who is actually bright and cheery or who's just like, oh, I can't wait till we get to Christmas and just, yeah, I'm a bit of both, I'm a bit of both. I love this time of year, but I am also hanging out for it to just be done and the craziness be done with. Um, I just wanted to take another minute, if I can, very quickly, and just sort of touch on the craziness that was here last week. C3 Cares. Now, I'm sure most of you saw photos on Facebook, etc., but I wanted to take a minute, if I can, just to talk about that. And I, I'm certainly not hoping to or wanting to embarrass anybody. Sarah, I didn't think you were going to be here today, but I can see you, so that's good. C3 Cares Lunch had their Christmas celebration just this last Wednesday. Something like 120 plus people, 160 meals served, 85 plus hampers given out, and a real genuine just sense of thankfulness, appreciation, and community was here. It was phenomenal. Now, I don't want to say names. I know Sarah's our team leader, but I will forget somebody, and I don't want anyone to be offended. So I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but if you are on the C3 Cares team, can you please stand up? Please stand for us. Everybody, if you are on the C3 Cares team, absolutely. A phenomenal effort. And it's important that we as a church family get to show you our appreciation for the hope that you're bringing into the community on behalf of C3 Monash. So, well done. Phenomenal. Okay. Thrill of hope. Our December theme. The inspiration for that theme has come out of the carol, O Holy Night. We all know it well. The first verse of that carol reads, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the earth in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. But what is hope? Is it tangible? Can we hold it? Do we catch it? We've probably all heard somebody at one point in time say, don't lose hope. So it can apparently be lost. Where do you find it? Is it given to us? Or do we have to go and seek it out? Most general Definitions of hope include statements like a sense or feeling of optimism or a desire for something to be true. But to me, that's kind of like saying, well, I really hope that I get every green light down Drakeford Drive or else I'm going to be late for my appointment in the city. Or I'm so hoping that this is true. I really hope that my wife, when I get home tonight, has already made the kids' lunches for tomorrow because I hate that job. I want that to be true. Now, I have no doubt that there's some of that in the idea of hope, but it certainly doesn't end there. Hope is definitely more than a feeling of optimism, and it is more than just a favourable change in the circumstances of our daily lives. Let's pray quickly. Father God, we give you thanks for your word. Father, we just ask that you would watch over it this morning. God, we know that you're here. We pray and ask that you would work in the hearts and lives of the people that are here, Father God, as we just look into, focus in on hope, Lord God. We give you thanks. Amen. So the title for today's message is The Story of a Different Tomorrow. We all know that Jesus 
was a bringer and fulfiller of hope. We see it everywhere through the Gospels. Early in Luke's Gospel, Jesus frees a man with an unclean demon. He then heals Simon's mother of a fever before cleansing a leper and healing the paralytic that was lowered through a roof by his friends. There's a withered hand that gets returned to its intended state. There's sight given to a man who was born blind. And then in both Matthew and Luke, we have the woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 years that Jesus heals. But the thing is, for every one of those people, right up until just the day before, every one of them already had in their mind an idea of what tomorrow would look like. And it was going to be pretty much the same as yesterday. It was going to be full of the difficulties and the challenges that life seemed to have dealt them. Probably some complaints directed at God. Why me? I've been faithful, God. Don't you hear my cries? There may have even been some resignation. This is just what it happens to be. I've got to live with it. Possibly the occasional glimmer of hope that things could be different. And then for each one of them, with their encounter they have with Jesus, they see a change in the story of their tomorrow. Hope is the story of a different tomorrow. Now, it's this time every year that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We give thanks and we remember that God chose to come to earth in human form. It is the start of one man's life and it is the beginning of the end of his father's master plan. And it is a holy night for sure. But it is not for that day that Jesus was born. It's not for that day that he came. He came for what would be his tomorrow. Some 33 years down the track. And it's his tomorrow which would forever change the story of our tomorrow. Psalm 33 verse 18 reads, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Now the word for hope in this psalm, the Hebrew word is yahal, and it's actually the exact same word that is used for both hope and wait. It's also a word that is very closely related to the Hebrew word trust. Now there's a connection here between trust, wait, and hope that is really important for us to know. Because where that word is used, where yahal is used in scripture, it always speaks to an expectant anticipation in the waiting. This is not a pacifying wish of the imagination. It's not the winding up of optimism or a feeling about a particular situation. And it never reflects a resigned waiting, an unengaged sitting back. To wait on God, to hope on him, is to sit on the edge of our seats, leaning forward, straining to catch even the smallest whisper from him about tomorrow. And no matter how long you have waited, think about the man born blind, how many years did he wait? No matter how long you have waited, there is always a sense of immediacy. It is a trust that the turning point will arrive tomorrow. I'm going to illustrate this, if we can, a little bit more by looking closely at the story of the woman who had the issue with the blood or bleeding. So from Luke 8, verses 42 through 48. 
As Jesus went, the people pressed about him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. So note that it had nothing to do with the physical touch of Jesus. It had to do with what was behind the touch of Jesus. Behind the touch, sorry. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now something to note before we jump further into this is, and I think this is intentional. We see at the start of that passage that this woman has dealt with an issue for 12 years. But then twice in the same passage, we're told she was healed immediately. Now, I'm not sure if anybody said that to her, but if I was her, I'd be fairly ticked off. Yes, it might have happened immediately right now, but I've been waiting 12 years. I think there's something in that contradiction. There's something in that being there. Yes, it's a wait for 12 years, but she was healed immediately. This woman has waited for God to act for more than a decade. She has exhausted every opportunity for God to work through human hands and medical intervention. So hope is not an act of taking common sense and throwing it out the window. There are times where God is most certainly going to work through the things that are available to us. You've got to remember, this isn't 2019. There was no Medicare, no hospitals, no private health colour. This is an ancient Jewish culture, and this woman's condition would have seen her excluded and separated from the community. Both social and religious gatherings would have been off the cards for her because she would have been considered unclean. But she has obviously not lost hope in her God. She knew that Jesus was passing through, but she wasn't on the edge of town where she should have been. She wasn't hiding and hoping that Jesus might make the right turn and come across her. She was waiting actively on the edge of her seat, ready for whenever God would change the story of her tomorrow. And she literally pushes into Jesus. How many times have you heard a preacher or a worship leader say, come on everybody, let's push into Jesus? I don't want to deny that at times that can be difficult with whatever we've going on, but that is certainly an easier thing for us to do here and now than it was for that woman. But she risks much in that context to literally push through the crowd and into Jesus with a rock-solid hope in God's ability to change her tomorrow through Jesus. And in that moment... 12 years of waiting, but in that moment, the words of O Holy Night rang true in her life till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I'd love you to take just a few moments, not long, just a few. For some of us, it might be really quick. For others, it might take us a while. But what is it that you are waiting on for God this Christmas season?
Every one of us has a hope in our heart that we've held on to for a while. And it seems to be that Christmas stirs things up for people just because of the time of year that it is. Perhaps there was a loved one lost on or around Christmas sometime before. Perhaps there's been family tension since 1983 and every year Christmas lunch descends into chaos. Maybe there's an estranged family member who you are hoping and praying would come back in. Maybe there's loneliness. Everybody else has their family around. Everybody else has a gathering. But every year I feel lonely. Whatever it is, what does a different tomorrow look like for you in relation to that hope? What does a different tomorrow look like for you? And are you on the edge of your seat? Whether it's been one year, 10 years or 20 years, are you still on the edge of your seat? The sense of immediacy in your heart that God will act. The next thought is the story that we tell ourselves about tomorrow. Well-known author and theologian Frederick Beekner once said, what deadens us most to God's presence within us, I think, is the inner dialogue that we are continuously engaged in with ourselves, the endless chatter of human thought. So what is the story that you are telling yourself about tomorrow? What is the conversation going on in your head that quiets the presence of God and prevents the thrill of hope about tomorrow from rising up within you? What is the story you are telling yourself about tomorrow? There are studies that have shown the stories we tell ourselves about something, a situation or a circumstance, are often worse than what the actual circumstance would require. But not only that, that the situation then plays out in line with the story that we've told ourselves and not what the original situation would have mean. There is power in the story that we tell ourselves. I'm going to play a, a short clip from a, an animated movie. I don't know if anyone's seen it. I think it's a good movie, The Croods. So sit back for just a few moments and uh, we'll come back afterwards. Thanks, guys. Once upon a time, there was a little tiger who lived in a cave with her family. There were a lot of rules, but the big simple one was to never leave the cave at night. And the door was so heavy, you'd think it would be easy to remember. So easy to remember. I know. <sighs> but while everyone was asleep, she went out anyway. No. Yes. And no sooner than she did, their cave was destroyed and everyone had to go on this long, sucky walk with some weirdo they met and died. <gasps> the end. Whoa! I did not see that coming twist ending. My stories never end like that. Yes, two stories in one night. <laughs> um, okay. But it won't be as good as Grubbs. <clears throat> um, uh, once upon a time, there was a beautiful tiger. She lived in a cave with the rest of her family. Her father and mother told her, you may go anywhere you want, 
but never go near the cliff, for you could fall and die. Good story. But when no one was looking, she'd go near the cliff. For the closer she came to the edge, the more she could hear, the more she could see, the more she could feel. Finally, she stood at the very edge. She saw a light. She leaned out to touch it. And she slipped. <gasps> and she fell. And she flew. Where did she fly? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? A place with more suns in the sky than you can count. It would be so bright. A place not like today or yesterday. A place where things are better. Tomorrow isn't a place. It's, it's, it, you can't see it. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. I've seen it. That's where I'm going. Thanks, guys. We are going to shut our eyes and sleep. That'll do. Tomorrow? A cave. Awesome. There we go. It's a good movie. Now, despite the fact that it is only an animated movie, I'd, I'd be happy to watch the whole thing. It's quite funny. <laughs> we actually have a pretty impactful story out of that. It is the same place, the same time, the same situation and two very different stories about tomorrow. Hope is the story of a different tomorrow, but it is also a positioning of our posture. And for one of our friends in the story here, his posture, driven by the story that he continues to tell himself, would see him hide away in his cave, with no room for hope in a different tomorrow to rise up. Our other friend tells himself a different story, and it leads him to posture himself towards a better tomorrow. He's ready to respond and act on a hope for something different than what is in front of him at that point in time. There is always waiting in hope. It is important that while we wait for God to act, that we monitor the story we are telling ourselves. Because hope tends to arrive on the back of hopelessness. And over time, the narrative in our head, often centred on our circumstances, and no doubt assisted by the enemy's lies, tends to draw us away from God's hope, into despair, resignation, or a false hope of our own making. And like Grug, the crude family patriarch, we end up believing that the answer to tomorrow means hiding in our cave. Because the story that we've been telling ourselves, the lies that we have listened to, have seen us convinced that God can't or won't act on our tomorrow. The thrill of hope dims over time. And the story we tell ourselves in the waiting is so key to seeing hope rise again. So whatever your situation might be at this very moment, whatever that hope that you have in your heart this Christmas season, what is the story that you tell yourself about that? 
Anne Voskamp, in her book, The Broken Way, says, I am not the mistakes I have made. I am the righteousness he has made. I am not the plans I have failed. I am the perfectness he has finished. I am not the wrongs I have done. I am the faultlessness he has been. I am not the sins I have chosen. I am chosen by the beloved, regardless of my sins. In Christ, I am chosen, accepted, justified, anointed, sealed, forgiven, redeemed, complete, free, Christ's friend, God's child, Spirit's home. That's a pretty good story to be telling yourself. Might not need to be exactly that. But it's the kind of story that needs to accompany the hope in God. It's that story that will keep the lies, the despair, any resignation from stealing or corrupting our hope in God. For us, one of the good things, if you follow Jesus, with God, anything is possible. So there's no point in your life where you will ever have reached the end of what could change your tomorrow. Think back again on the woman with the issue of the blood. Twelve years, she had exhausted everything that she thought she could do. But in her mind, it never came to a point where she was like, this is my last chance. This is my last hope. I see this doctor, I do this, and that's it. But if this doesn't work, it's all over. If you follow Jesus, you never reach that point. There is never a point where you need to say, if this doesn't work, I'm done. With God, all things are possible. It is never your last chance. Final thought for the morning. God's promises. Everything about hope that we have heard and will hear this month, and much more besides for the rest of time, all rests on the promises of God and his complete faithfulness as a promise keeper. In chapter 1, 22 and 23 of his gospel, Matthew writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken of by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now Matthew is telling his readers, he's wanting them to see, he's informing them and citing directly from the prophecy given in Isaiah 7, 14, which reads, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That prophecy was written some 740-odd years before Jesus was actually born. But what Matthew is saying, what he wants his readers to understand is, is that if God says he will do something, he will do it. Now, it doesn't always look how we thought it should or how we think it might. You only need to ask the entire Jewish population of that time, pretty much. Every one of them was expecting a Messiah. But they thought he was going to ride in on a horse, kick the Romans out as God had done previously. So it doesn't always look how we think it should. And it won't always be done in our timing. 750 years is a long time to wait. But if God has said, I will do it, then it will be done. Now most of us, if we look back over our lives, nearly all of us, I would suggest, can find and or remember a time in our life where God actually has done what he said he would do in our world. That should fill us with hope. Because unlike us, men and women, God can be counted on always. 
So he will do what he says he has yet to do. Our hope, our waiting is confident. It is expectant because of his promises in the past and his faithfulness in keeping them. In his book, Unshakable Hope, Building Our Lives on the Promises of God, Max Licardo writes, and I'll just read a few pages of that book. Long after the kids are bathed and put to bed, the single mum stares at the bills and bank balance. Too many of the first, not much in the second. She's called on all her friends, cashed in all her favours. There aren't enough hours in the day to earn more money. She stares out the window of the small apartment and wonders where to turn. Then there's the weary man in the ICU standing at the bedside of his only love. He can scarcely remember a day without her. They married so young. He's never known anything as pure as this woman's heart. He leans over her face and strokes her white hair. No response. The doctor has told him to say goodbye. The husband is all out of hope. And what about the businessman who sits behind the desk in the corner office? His handshake is firm, his voice sounds confident, but don't let his demeanour fool you. If solvency were a jet, his plane is in a tailspin. His banker wants to meet, his accountant wants to quit, and Hope, or Hope boarded a train for the coast and hasn't been seen in a week. You know the feeling, we all do. Even the cup is half full, sanguine souls who use the lyric, the sun will come out tomorrow as their cell phone ring. They know it. Sometimes we just run out of hope. When we do, where can we turn? I suggest we turn to this great and precious promise. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. That's Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. Look at the key terms of the first phrase, anchor and soul. You don't need to be told what an anchor is. You've held those cast iron castings with the pointed edges. Perhaps you've thrown one from a boat into the water and felt the yank as the tool found its lodging place. The anchor has one purpose, to steady the boat. To weather a blast of bad weather, you need a good anchor. You need one like the tattoo on Popeye's forearm. Strong and double-pointed. You need one that can hook securely to an object that is stronger than the storm. You need a good anchor. There are plenty of anchors in God. But Jesus' arrival on earth, that clear starry night in Bethlehem so long ago, is an anchor. Because it is the fulfillment of a foretold promise. It is a promise of God, so full of the thrill of hope in a different tomorrow for all humanity, for you and for me. We might just grab the keys up if we can, or actually the whole worship team, that would be good. Grab hold of that thought that you have in your heart right now for this Christmas season. As I said before, for some of us, that might be really easy. There might be something that's really obvious and that every year it's there. For others, we might have to look a little deeper and go, God, what actually is that hope in my heart? What am I waiting for you to act on? Where have I lost hope? 
I'm going to spend just a moment on that. Look in at that. Think about the story that you have been telling yourself about that hope, about that weight. And then ask God for the promise that you can stand on so that you remain at the edge of your seat. No matter how long you've been waiting, with a sense of immediacy. It's 12 years and it's immediate. God will act. What does a different tomorrow look like for you in that? Thanks, guys. I want to give you the opportunity today that if you actually don't know Jesus, if you don't yet know the promise keeper, if you feel as though at the moment your life is without hope, it's a very simple thing to turn to the promise keeper. love you to give that up to give you that opportunity if that's you we're not going to call you to come down the front but we would really love you to just raise your hand take that step that says god i i don't have hope in what's in front of me but i so want a story of a different tomorrow If you know that God is knocking, if you know that he's waiting for you, he's on the edge of his seat. He's waiting with a sense of immediacy for you to respond, to just trust. If that's you, if you want to take that step, if you want to believe in, if you want to trust on Jesus, I'd love you to raise your hand right now. And we'll pray with you after the service. Just give your trust to God. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for hope. God, we give you thanks for the trust of your promises that we stand on while we wait, Lord God. Father, I pray for every single person in this room today, Lord God. Every single person who has thought of or has come back up for them, that thing that they are waiting on you for. God, whatever it might be whether there is a physical ailment, Lord God, whether there is an emotional or a relational issue, Lord God, that rises up, that they have hung on to for so long, Lord God. God, we pray off, we break any resignation that that is just how life has to be. And Father, we hope in you. Father, we have Yahal, we wait with hope and trust. 
Father, help everybody in this room walk out today with an increased sense of immediacy. No matter how long the wait has been, help us to stay on the edge of our seats. Help us to stay in front of you, Lord God, with our prayers to trust you and to know that because Jesus came, we can have a story with a different tomorrow. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.